0: Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Oscar Robertson, Blue What
2: a year has been! The Bucs are the world champions! going inside.
0: 2nd,
3: Middleton, yes, Chris Middleton! Happy birthday, Jason Kidd, places up for
0: grabs! Behind the back, Giannis, and then a good ball, and in watch. Holy moly!
2: Dudley, up top, open, he's got a clean catch! Oh. And
0: Milwaukee wins it! play basketball and win. And win? Yeah.
1: How many games? Six. We're we'll to we'll win a six.
4: Hello and welcome to episode 359 of the Win in Six podcast. Proudly a part of the Eurostep Podcast Network and the Blue Wire Podcast family. I'm your host, Adam McGee, and joining me as always it's my good friend, Jordan Tresky. Jordan, hello. Hello. How are you doing?
3: Doing well. How about you?
4: Yeah, yeah, same. It's good, good to hear you're doing well. uh i'm also doing well the books mm, books are doing so-so i think would be the way to put it um since we last recorded up and down week kind of in the extremes too um bad losses to the nuggets and the Cavs. um uh, good win ish spells of it were certainly very good against the knicks and then there were some parts that weren't so great either um but overall the books continue to find themselves as they have been for a last few episodes just kind of mired in this absolute dogfight for one through six in the eastern conference it's all up in the air it's entirely plausible that the playoffs all around the books could have finished in any one of those spots right now there is a little bit of a gap back to the hornets and seven so it seems like yeah, that's, that's one thing. That's a good thing that the play-in game may not be something we have to worry too much about. But it's entirely up for grabs. The books are go and be the one seed, but they're going to have to figure some, some stuff out if that's to be the case, right, Jordan?
3: Yes, stuff out, get out of this. It's not, I don't know if it would be a slump, but it's it's obviously a one of the more treacherous stretches that we've seen the books have under... But ever so yeah just very uneven choppy waters we're we're all figuring it out
4: i mean they have at the moment they've won four of their last six if we want to look at their most recent spells and their their losses have come to good to very good teams and in the calves and the nuggets and that spell obviously if we zoom out a little bit further they had that run where it was only two wins and eight um, right around the turn of the year, which that, that was the real problem spell. I mean, when, when you look at the East the way it is, I think it just speaks to the books are certainly not alone in this. It's it's reflective more so in the East than the West, and I don't quite know why that is, but I think of how the season has played out to date. A lot of good teams, no one really able to find consistency through you a know, variety of obvious factors as much as anything else. But I, I don't know. Are you concerned about what you're seeing from the books? Or I guess we've just crossed over into the month of February. So if we want to take in the awful start to 2022 they had and then finishing with a couple not-so-pretty losses, are you concerned in a bigger-picture sense about what the books showed in January?
1: Um, there's elements to it that are somewhat alarming. I would say, I think a team like the Cavs, um,
3: or a game like the Cavs against the Cavs, where Cavaliers shoot, it was a similar recipe speed to the Nuggets game, where Cavs and Nuggets shoot the lights out. Bucks start decently hot and then just kind of trail off and stuff like that. And some of that was certainly attributed to play on the road against Cleveland and their you know, in a bit of a hot stretch, um, also shot the ball particularly badly. So from that standpoint, the other, the opposing team is shooting the ball well, and you're shooting the ball badly. It's pretty hard to, especially Denver. I mean, they, they could have beaten any team on the floor. They were just in a zone that very few teams were in that I've seen, (laughs) um, in for a regular season game, but, um. I do think there is something of like there was a lack of urgency coming out of the second half or going into the second half against Denver. Um, Kind of the same thing with Cleveland too. It just kind of slipped away from their hands and it wasn't necessarily, I don't know. It was just, it was just precipitous. There wasn't any like one thing that just kind of like happened that made it very stark and clear, but it was just, you know, they just, for a reason, the Bucks didn't have it clicking that night. I know they had made comments about some interesting comments after both losses, um, both Giannis and then Drew. More so in the Nuggets game, kind of you know, critiquing the defense, critiquing you know the intensity level, effort level, all that stuff that you know they can control. Um, I was just
4: out of curiosity, what for you was the interesting Giannis? thing after the Cavs game, was it? You're saying for Giannis, was that when he was eating Yeah, because that when he was like, like, like eating chicken sucks? wings. Yeah. <laughs> um, that, that's interesting too. And I mean, Giannis is playing really well. A, let's get out there. Up front. Yes. I, I don't want this to be mistaken. His demeanor on the court feels different. And his demeanor on the court and saying that is completely in step with the rest of his teammates. And, this feeds into some of what we talked about last year or last last week even um, in the idea that maybe Brook is coming back soon and some of the value of what Brook brings. The books do not look as engaged as basically any team they play. Um, they do not look like they're enjoying it as much as any team they play. Like Something which has kind of been a staple in recent years just doesn't seem to be there. Like we all know this is a grind, but the books actually look when they're out there, like they're feeling it. Like they feel like it is a grind. That's kind of understandable. And it's it's some of what we expected going into the season too, in terms of, we talked a lot about, you know, the potential for a championship hangover. Um, what does it mean even more so than your failures when you're just trying to get back to the playoffs to, to right those wrongs? Well, what does it mean when you've actually won it all and what you want to do is win it again, but you've got to go through months and months to have the chance to do that. That's a tricky game. It's a tricky balance. It's not something that only the books have experienced. It's pretty common for champions. But that is something I'm kind of seeing. And I did just think that Giannis, like, obviously it goes viral for different reasons because it's, like, endearing and it's funny, but just in a sense of the way he usually is... And the way the books are, I did feel it was different and very much in line with how they look like a different team and their vibe feels a little bit different when you watch them at the moment.
1: Yeah,
3: I think it was, I was more interested in what, I mean, this is maybe one of the bigger questions for me going into the season is that because things have changed so dramatically in terms of how they approach the season, in part because of you know, the first two years under Bud, and then you win it all last year, and you kind of like, oh, we'll take a similar approach. Always kind of like bird's eye level. But like, what does it look like when you know they go through a stretch like this? It's like, oh, this is how it is. And it just kind of it's funny to see how each player kind of reacts to it. That makes sense because it's like, yeah, the year. You know, Bobby Porter feels like he's playing with more like intensity and trying to kind of conjure up those like, "Hey, let's like let's get it going, let's wake up." Kind of, you
4: know. Well, he's he's got a he's got a contract to play for. Is also exactly. part of you know the story there.
3: Um, but like, Giannis is playing as good as he's played. I mean, it's Giannis; <laughs> he's consistently great. But like, Drew's. Doing fast, Like, you can look at these individual pieces.
4: But it's different, right? I, I'm not alone in seeing not, that. As in, like, Giannis, looking, his, his contributions and the way he's kind of impacting games is similar. But it looks and feels different. It's not necessarily at the same speed. It's not always kind of accompanied by the same emotion. Part of this is just, as I said, it's natural because you realize, oh, well, the feeling I'm actually chasing – is much greater, and that comes down the line. You know, I've now tasted that, but I, I do think it is noticeable and being different. And maybe this is a year of adjustment for them on that front. The other thing I was thinking about too, in my usual weekly binge of books games to do a podcast, was I don't know if this team has enough new, hungry players in the mix
3: i don't think so
4: i like because that's the you just if there was a couple of guys with a certain type of personality who weren't there last year and they've heard about it and they could be the people like bobby would be perfect if bobby hadn't won a championship you know um as in just for being the spark that's going to get everyone kind of going to keep everyone on message and keep them motivated, like particularly maybe coming out at halftime, more on that in in a few minutes, we'll get into that but that's what I was thinking about, so you've got these kind of players, like yeah, Wes Matthews wants a championship before he retires George Hill wants a championship before he retires they're kind of like um, their personality is not to go and energize that in a way, that's Completely kind of, it's also they've been here, they've been on good teams before, that's, yes, and so there's familiarity there too. Really? There, there's no fresh dynamic there, so you've got like Grayson, and I just don't think that's his personality by all accounts, as much as I'm sure he wants to win a also, championship.
3: I mean, he's coming off of this international well, he, incident too, yeah, but- <laughs> he's got
4: he's had a couple, <laughs> tough couple of weeks kind of, uh, just probably to be Grayson Allen. But even over the course of the season, like if you zoom out, you've got Grayson who obviously comes to Milwaukee and wants to win a championship now. But I don't know if he's the guy who's gonna be able to kind of he's
1: certainly not the across.
3: role. I mean, we're kind of beating around the bush, but it's it's you're missing a PJ Tucker like
4: I, I, honestly, I wasn't I wasn't thinking of that, but yeah, that is true.
3: the kind of spirited intense guy that just sets the tone because I think that was also part of their calculus and thinking that you know we can move on from pJ is that oh okay now we won a championship we kind of can set that tone ourselves we don't necessarily need someone to bring in someone like PJ and do it for us
4: um but even, Right, and this is kind of what I'm interested in, and it is interesting in coming up to the trade deadline and whether they're making a move or not, or whether they should make a move. Like with PJ, if they'd resign PJ, is PJ still? Does he have the influence he had last year in that way, or is he part of this too? Like he's finally got his championship. There's, there's no way of knowing that. Like I'm, I look at the books and I see a really good team. And it's just about, are they going to click at the right time? Are they going to click at the right time? Do they need to do more on the way in for the regular season? Can they turn it on? Or are they going to be one of those teams? Is that Put a thing switch. that's really possible? Like, we don't have the answers to that. But generally, when I look at it, I see a pretty set rotation. that I struggle to see them finding too many players that are going to be attainable, whether it's buyout or whether it's trades with the limited assets they have to come in and crash into that and to really disrupt that and play a part. Yes, the, the best reason maybe to, to try and find a trade is to bring someone different into this locker room who is going to speak up and have a voice and is going to want this really, really badly and is going to remind everyone else what that feels like and make sure they get back to the place of wanting it again. I don't want to do this, but like, I think Buggy would have been closer to someone who at this point like real multiple chips on his shoulder right something to prove and I do think it's it's flattened out you've got a lot of guys who to me feel content you've got a lot of guys who towards the back half of the bench I think are going nowhere I I don't mean that in a literal sense maybe it'd be good if they could go somewhere else to another city at another team but I think in a career sense, stagnating, possibly slipping into decline. But there's just, there's maybe some ingredient, one player, one personality missing. That's just going to shake things up a little bit, bring a fresh voice into proceedings because as much as continuity is a positive and that can work, in their favor and we've talked continuity and people have talked up the books continuity over the years there is also a definite advantage at times to having the right new edition come in and shake things up and even like i think drew was evidence of that in terms of yes. when he came in and the books were already pretty far along a journey of being like a contender or trying to figure that out and then you've got just a fresh style of play, a fresh player in the mix, a fresh voice in the locker room. And that helps you to get over there. Like it's something that it's hard for us to quantify from the outside. We could point to the really obvious differences between drew holiday and Eric Bledsoe as players, but there's also <laughs> something to be said for the fact that he's just someone different, you know, with yeah. that core of guys. And it's not at a point where it's like, Oh, this is stale. You need to make major moves. You need to blow it up. But I do think it's something that in a calculated way, they're going to kind of have to find the right guy year to year to come in and just bring a different energy and remind everyone what this is all about. I mean, I, I have no doubt that as the playoffs get closer, like Giannis will be that guy at this point. He's not going to be in kind of cruise control his teammates coast as you get right up to the playoffs where then it's all going to be about championships again. But right now there's something there that it's not, it doesn't have to be like a major thing. It's it's not something that I think is like, oh, well, they're, they're definitely gone in the wrong way. Their season isn't looking like it will be what it could be. But it is a little concerning when you watch them. Is it just, it feels flat. And that's yeah. not something I really associate with Bud's books teams over the past few
1: years. No. um, And... When I was the other day after, you know, they just got their
3: butts kicked by Denver <laughs> pretty handily. Um, I did some digging and after 52 games last year, the Bucks were 32 and 20. And this year, they're 31 and 21. Net rating, I think, is very different. It was like 5.8 last year. and This year,
4: it's 2.9 or something. 2.9. So basically cut in kind of
3: half. And when you factor in all the injuries and obviously absences and stuff like that, it's like, I to, like, there's like so many ways you could take or look at that. And it's like, Oh, it's kind of impressive that they've won that many considering they have been without all their core pieces at various points of time, obviously for, for all but one game. Um, you know, we have never really seen the bucks go through this kind of injury in a long time, long time. Um, but even so, like, it does, like, kind of rem- like harken back to, like, how it was a little bit when the Bucks, how the Bucks were at times before they got PJ. Like, it wasn't like a panacea last year where they, you know, it was, I think, recalibrated expectations, but there was also that urgency of, like, okay, they have to win it. Like, if it doesn't result in a championship this year. And that's obviously papered over this kind of, you know, um, the, the effort and or not effort, but like the energy level and all the e- stuff. Energy that we're doing and right
1: effort. Now. So. Energy
3: and effort. Yes, are let's paying early. off
4: at West. All of so, a sudden, so. yeah. Um, I, I, the one thing with that though is like there is no difference really to to where the books were in terms of the regular season as a as a prospect for them last year and this year because they had done the, oh, we're the destroyer of worlds and the regular season thing. Yeah. And I guess just the desire to do that or the need to do that had worn off. And last year was, yeah, we just need to get to the playoffs and then we need to do it. We need to be better. 82 games is a long time. So PJ coming in not only gives them a, a different type of player and a key matchup option, which proved decisive and helping them to win the championship, but it did freshen things up. I just, I don't know. I don't want to tip our hand because I think we're going to have a crossover pod or we've at least got what planned later in the week where we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about trade deadline. Um, I, I don't know what or who is out there that you can kind of replicate. Again, not PJ Tucker, the player, but even just somewhat the, the effect. Circumstances. But they need to, that's what they need to look for, if anything. Yeah, And that's tough because I do think they have positional need at the moment too, more so than they probably had last year. Yes, And yeah, only they know from the inside if there's any kind of difference in that.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data
4: A jump, a block It's only a serve. it's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. after all, it's only pressure. you got this Adidas just on the on the tree, the games and i mean again i've I've been. Uh, pretty transparent about this I'm, I'm just not watching games live uh, if I'm awake I'm doing something else I've no need to watch them live I'll watch them um, after the fact when timeouts have been edited out on the League Pass I could save myself some time I see the tweets though and I see the way people are feeling during games and I, I see the way it's kind of broken down I think for example the Nuggets game First and foremost, uh Nikola Jokic is amazing. He is amazing. He is like by far and has been for years my favorite Don book in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Um was it the, I think it was the Knicks game. Was it Stephen Bardo who was on it was Stephen Bardo. Was he was I, I missed at the start where it came from. He was relaying this piece of information. You know where I'm going with this? Uh, I think it was an NBA TV thing where they were talking about Joel Embiid as the most skilled center in NBA history just to pause to let that set in for a second um, without getting into actually the historical of that and making this a conversation about Kareem and Wilt I was just like Joel Embiid is not the most skilled center in the NBA right now. Like he's great. And on certain days, there's a case to make for him being the best center in the NBA. But in terms of skill, Nikola Jokic is the most skilled. He is right up there with the most skilled player period. Like for his position, the range of things he can do are completely just on another level. But that game obviously finishes really ugly for the books. Are we surprised? No. <laughs> like, they have no... They have no actual center at the moment. And we all notice the problem when we talk about it. And then... I think well, we about it. I think... Uh, like are, are other people just pretending still that like Bobby is... Is capable of this and that this is a way you can win a championship?
1: I don't know. Like, <laughs> I, hey, I... I'm still kind
3: of... Again, I'm I'm in and out of Twitter land because yeah, because of work years. too. You're work,
4: yeah. You're not the same. So we're both to
3: me. coming in from the outside into the inside, and it's like the kind of like the memory. We're, loss we're in of the like, bubble oh yeah, in we're, the we're not Brook. Yeah, <laughs> the, they don't have their starting center. How many times do we, like do we have to like kind of like wrap our heads around? But it,
4: it's not even that. It's like Brooke is like this hulking figure he's like this behemoth of a man and you you watch Nikola Jokic who's like one of the most imposing physical presences if not the most in the entire NBA and even more dangerous because of how he uses his frame and because of his vision it's not like oh well you just have to worry about this guy kind of you know backing you down knocking you out of the way and finishing it's like no no he's just gonna hold his own against you and his head's gonna be on a swivel and he's going to pick yeah. you apart, which I don't think is unrelated to the Nuggets having a scorching shooting night and oh, tearing the books completely. apart like that. It's because the books have no answer for Jokic. You can't bother Jokic. Now, they tried some things with Jokic that I don't know if that would be my approach, but at the same time, I kind of look at it and I'm like, if the books don't have Brook Lopez, they're not equipped to deal with Nikola Jokic right now because... Like comedically, almost a couple of cases. Like Jokic was just screening Bobby out of plays, and then there'd be a handoff, and he'll get it back, and make whatever decision he wants, and it's an easy nugget no score. And it's like it's not that Bobby didn't want it. There was probably a couple of occasions where he let it happen too easily. I would guess maybe, but due to being demoralized as much as anything else, at the challenge of that. But it's like for for as good a season as Bobby is having, he's having a great season. The limitations that kept him off the floor against the Nets last year still exists. And the reasons why he hasn't been able to kind of pave a, a career path for himself as like well, maybe elites pushing it too far, but something not too far below that as a center like are still evident too. This is a guy who was always dubbed as a tweener. And maybe three or four years ago, like this version of Bobby with this maturity and this game rounded out with the way the NBA was trending at that point, you could probably have a better chance of him being your center and not working out fine. Multiple of the very best players in the league are centers. Like, and even in the Eastern conference, just like the sheer physicality and the size you're going to come up against against a lot of these top teams. Like there's only a couple of exceptions the Heat don't really have any. Like Bam, Bam is fine. Bam is a power forward, so Giannis can guard him. Portis can guard him. He is though. I'm not. I'm not even saying it to disparage him. Like he's a very good player, but he's not a center. Center. He's not an imposing figure. Um, the Nets obviously they have that issue too. But then, you know, you look at you look at the big ball Cavs, who also beat the Bucs this week. Yep. And it's like, that's a problem for the books. That's an issue. Um, It's an issue that could easily be rectified in like three weeks, a month, two months, three months, whenever it might be that Brook Lopez comes back. But it's just there, like in front of our eyes in a really fundamental sense. And if you come up against a guy who's got like a, almost as valid a claim as Giannis for being the best player in the NBA, in Jokic, and you're roster that is out there is set up in a way that's like designed for him to exploit it's what do you expect and the nuggets picked that apart like i I think that's a tough spot the books are putting bobby and Giannis in and physically as we've kind of expressed concern about from early in the season i don't know will that have a cumulative effect anyway just in terms of where and whether they're more fatigued than it might be otherwise come the end of the year, but it's not ideal from a basketball standpoint. And there are certain matchups where the books have just much less margin for error. And I feel like there are things like the Nuggets shooting where it would be easy to kind of reflect on that game and be like, Oh, the Nuggets torched the books. And that is ultimately the biggest difference maker. And for me, it's, you look at how the Nuggets got a lot of those shots. It's inside out, and it's yeah. it's Jokic completely controlling the game, because the books had no answer for him in any department.
3: A lot of mid-post spraying passes out to the corners. I mean, that was evident from the start of the game. Like, there, it just pretty was obvious. And, like, and to this point, like, and talk of positional need, like, Jake Fisher of Bleacher Report reported last week that they're still looking around for
1: big men. And you know, like, it's stuff like that where it's so obvious do they get that
3: player that they're identifying whether it's trade, whether it's buyout, whatever the case may be like that's where talking about trying to get this like kind of PJ Tucker light guy or this kind of multi positional defender that could kind of, you know Come in and do his job and kind of just slot in. It's like at a certain point, like they're going to come up against this deadline, whether it's the trade deadline or, you know, at some point in the season where they may ask, is it worth like just keep, you know, just having Brooke come back and just thinking everything's going to be okay? Everything's going to be kind of click into place as it would normally. Or th- that's the kind of things that are just really, I think it's tougher for them to project this year more than this year than any other year, because we, we still don't know what's going on. With Brooke.
1: But they Clearly. have, they
4: have information. Oh so yeah. It's clear. not as tough for them to project as I think often when we think about it, we feel it is because we have zero information, yes. but they have a clearer sense. And obviously we know he is doing some work. Like he, he is close. Now, that's close in a relative sense, you know, close compared to where he was a few months ago. But it remains to be seen what that means. But I, I do think the thing that, like, and maybe it's just a case of, you know, you can't go and, and I've talked to this and I'm certainly, I'm not opposed to John Horst factoring this in a little bit more frequently. For example, with the way the books look right now, I don't know if this is a year where you're like, you're going out of your way to push any remaining chips you have into the middle of the table and like making it tougher that if you're, you look better and you've got a more normal season next year that you've got less tools to work with. State for Dante. Yeah. Well, this is not a chip, I mean, <laughs> seriously, nobody it's wants something
1: that. more than
3: they, I mean, they don't have a lot, but they will they won't have
4: that next year is a, yeah. is a different issue. But if you're a horse and you're looking and you're like, we want to try and win this year how can you be looking at like the Sixers rising and Embiid just having a greater and greater impact and be having anything other than like nightmares over the prospect of the books playing the Sixers because they will need Brooke Lopez to be good, to have any chance of that series, not just to be healthy, to be good. And that's fine. And I mean, I, I think that's a general thing. Like it's, Last year, the books needed their best players to be good to win a championship. It's something you kind of assume, but the problem is they don't even have like an inferior player who can just replicate some of the physical elements of that and free up other players to play differently. So There's no Tyler Zeller, it's not Robin Lopez, is honestly no. simple way to go from a couple of years ago. Yeah, uh, you know, and it goes, it does go back to, but. When they decided to move on from Boogie, one of the conversations we had was, look around here, there are not many like big men out there. like Options with legitimate size and strength, Like, if, if this is a matter of trying to find the perfect bench big, you may end up with no one if you're turning your nose up at DeMarcus Cousins, particularly yep. after he made a relatively positive impact for the Bucs in his time on the court. Whether there's other stuff in that, um, I don't care. I, I think just for the, the point of this conversation, it's it's really about they need a big. And they had someone who I think maybe a better basketball fit than anything they could yet find. And with that in mind, when you move on from, from Boogie, and if they moved on at that time being like, okay, we still need a big, and let's say we're going to see them make a move, they really better have had the right target. (laughs) They better, they better have someone in mind that they, they really, I hope they felt confident in that. Oh, this person is gettable and it's gettable, you know, at a price that we can afford because otherwise that's, that's where my bigger concerns rather than anything like we're seeing in the kind of the small kind of nitty gritty of games to games at the moment. It's the thing that's been an issue since game two, when all of a sudden Brooke isn't healthy to go And has been there throughout the season.
3: And you can't ignore it.
4: No, you can't ignore it. And it is also, it's my concern more than anything is it's going to be unfair on Brooke. And it sets Brooke up to be a fall guy and a scapegoat if he comes back and he's not 100%. Like you're putting a lot more pressure than you'd ideally want to put on him. By not having someone who can even just like give like relief minutes (laughs) at that position. Because it's fine to be like, oh well, Bobby can play the five, and Giannis can play the five, and all of that is true, and the books are still a good team doing that. But there are certain matchups that just is not going to work.
3: Yeah, and it's I don't know, like this is kind of it kind of goes back to like when the Warriors unleash the small ball lineup and you know catapults them to this to their first finals or championship run in 2015. And there's always this talk of like, well, why don't they just run that all the time? Yeah. And it's like,
1: it's like, no,
4: it it made sense with Bogan and it made sense with going to it like in fourth quarters.
3: Yes. And that conversation has always existed with, with the Bucks, especially as Giannis has gotten better and just, you know, became Giannis and it's like, well, why don't they play Giannis at center more? And it's like, well, there's a limit to it. <laughs> there's a limit to every everything that you can do. That's why versatility is key. It's why it's no surprise that when the Bucks veered away from their system and ad- tried to do things differently, it resulted in a championship. There was certainly some... some. It wasn't, you know, uh, a path paved with gold <laughs> by any means, but it's... Versatility is the name of the game now, and going with one way specifically, whether it's due to personnel, whether it's due to, you know, the kind of system that you want to run, all that stuff. Like if you just play that way or one way all the time, it's eventually going to get figured out and cracked and you're going to have to go back to the drawing board and just, you know, figure out something else. So like, I think more so... We're not seeing the limits to the Buck system this time around. Obviously, it's more of the personnel. Does the personnel meet the way that they're playing? And yeah. it's you
4: know what I mean, like yeah, like we're not we're not seeing the system they've played in other years too because they don't have the personnel to run that. That's the other yes. side with drop.
3: Yeah, but this version of the Bucks is it, good. There's no mistaking that. It's you know even with this period of just kind of like ugh, you know basketball, but.
1: It doesn't. It's not the best version of them, clearly. And whether you know,
3: we hope for a miraculous Brook Lopez return in March. Or I hope and pray every single day, Jordan. Yeah. If that unlocks them,
1: that's great. But eventually, the they're going to have the Rock and the Hard Place is getting inching closer and closer to
3: one another, and then they're going to have to try to find an answer and maybe it just it ends in a way where it's like well this is the problem that has been all season long and it's am so surprised that it would eventually lead to their demise if they get knocked out in the second round or whatever the case may be the
4: the thing for me about small ball about five out lineups i don't know if this is an original thought i'm gonna assume it's not most things are not original thoughts but i, I don't think i've ever really heard this discussed this way but with some hindsight, and as we get something of a remove from that whole phenomenon in the NBA, like I, I think it, it's it's a worthwhile as a thought exercise in trying to figure out like the utility of that style of play still in the NBA now to work out was that was that like an innovation by design? Was that the next great basketball idea that led to that? or was that a more reactive thing that had success because that was actually just a really bad spell of a few years for big men and the NBA. And I think now when you think back on it too, and it's like post kind of Orlando Dwight, true to some of the bigs who've come to define the league in recent years, like that was not anywhere near a golden era for NBA centers. And I think part of that then factors into, oh, small ball's the way to go. And this is how, like, the thing with the NBA is always, it's about the talent that's there. And it's, it's a limited pool by design. Like, you're relying on the draft and you're relying on what you're doing. Technically, you've got the whole world to pick from. But I, all, I always wonder, just does it work out like that? Like, in the same way that in soccer, if you need a midfielder or you need a striker, you could find one somewhere. And maybe yeah. there is someone with the right environment that it comes out. Basketball just is not quite as open as that. And it will lead to spells where you kind of look around and you're like, hmm, centers aren't very good right now. And I don't know. I'm trying to think too. Can you think of like great centers from During that, that time? So you're, you're talking really like it's post-Shack. It's Middle stages of the White's career, like standing out to me, Roy Hibbert was an all-star starter on the Eastern Conference. I was going to say team. he.
3: There's a flash of the pan with him.
4: Someone like um, I, I watched an awful lot of Atlanta Hawks basketball, and Al Horford was definitely one of the best centers in the NBA. And really, for a lot of the time, the conversation was kind of like, he is really
3: kind of a power Andrew forward. Jordan, like Demarcus Drummond. That's when he kind of
4: these are all. They're not good players in Marc like Marcus All. Marcus All maybe I'm looking at I'm looking at all
3: NBA teams through the this period.
4: Like that's a grim list when Tim Duncan's getting
3: all NBA nods, Pal, late stage mo uh Gasol. Noah. Like the,
4: even all of those players, the thing with them is like Noah, Marcus All like have major limitations to their game. They are not like take over a game centers of what came before and of now what we're seeing again with like Embiid and Jokic. Uh, Like I I do think that is something that shouldn't really be kind of just dismissed and thinking about that era and thinking again about, you know, the value of small ball where it comes in. And I know I say this from my uh, well-established position as, you know, Mr. Big Guy's. But I, I still believe like that is fundamental to how good basketball is played. Yes. Like, I, I, I do think it's if you've got- The to... case
3: is the origin of the NBA.
4: Yeah, it <laughs> has. And I mean, there's very simple reasons and there's very complex reasons in terms of how an offense and a defense functions. But I, I do think when you're watching a team that doesn't have that, and this is not to say the books aren't a small team, like you've got two 6'11 guys, but there is a body type And there's a personality type that is different. And it isn't what the books have with Bobby Portis and Giannis right now. It just makes them more vulnerable. Doesn't mean that can't work and that they can't beat any team on their day or that maybe they couldn't win some series in the playoffs or go win a championship again. But I I do think it makes them more vulnerable, kind of right at the front than what they had last year. Like last year, we knew that, okay, well, (laughs) the depth here is not up to much. But uh, I think we all kind of had pretty close to supreme confidence in what the book's best five or best six players would be and what you could get out of them. With the current construction of starting oh, lineup, they're, they're already good players, but <laughs> there are visible chinks in the armor already is, yeah. is how I would put that, compared to when Brooke was there. Again, let's hope Brooke comes back and looks good and it stays healthy and it solves a lot of that, but That would absolutely be where my mind was at right now if I was John Horst. Okay, let's pivot a little. We talked about those games. We talked about those losses, and it's not a revelation to anyone who's been watching the books recently. They're a third quarter disaster. An absolute disaster. It's not just a new thing either. I mean, it's kind of tracking up over the course of the season. Um, They are... I believe they're fifth for first quarter net rating, second for second quarter net rating, um, they're seventh worst for third quarter net rating, and then they're fifteenth, sixteenth, um, in the fourth. Fourth is neutral, and then massive positives for both scores in the first half, and in the third quarter. I don't. Do you know the number? Offhand, do you want to guess what the book is? Something
3: like six. Negative six something.
4: Yeah, they're getting outscored by six point four points per one hundred possessions in third quarters. which is just not good. And um, we talk about their net rating overall, and you talk about it kind of being halved, even on where it was last year. And you look at their differential, which was something that last year they ran off just ridiculous differentials, and they really have for a few years. And all of that disappears because they're not showing up in the third quarter. And part to of that too, then it's like a game like the Knicks where. It started really well, and there was some really good first half stuff. Like they looked, they looked in good shape. Although I, they gave up quite a lot of points in the first half, which is not ideal. It always felt like a game that was in hand, but there were some moments where that got closer than you'd want it to be. And it's again because they're terrible in the third quarter. I can't imagine that this isn't like there's no way that with everything that the coaching staff have at their disposal, that this isn't like their primary focus right now. That this isn't every halftime, it's like working as hard as you can to get guys to go up and show show up in the third quarter and play it like it's the first quarter. But what do you think they can do about this?
1: Um
3: lobby to the league to not have half times, <laughs> keep playing the game for play full.
4: just two quarter games. Not even just play be, all be 30 minutes
3: within. So, you have quarters,
4: but you just, it's. We just call just, them halves. Yeah. Two halves to 12 minutes. Yeah. It's an innovative new format. You know, I'm just putting it out there. We'll all look. I'd watch games live if they were that quick. Saves exactly. us all a lot of time, you know? You could have four or five nationally televised games a night. Everyone's a winner. Um, Particularly the books, because they don't have to play third quarters.
1: I don't know. I don't know. This is. But you, I think too. Like they've usually been better, and weirdly enough,
3: I remember it was Bud's second year. Their third quarters, or maybe they're like the best, which is strange. There
4: was a there was another Bud year where we had this, and this was definitely an issue under Kid, though. Like this yeah. is not this is not something that is entirely new for the Bucks. We've seen the whole not showing up for third quarters thing before. Um last 10 games, and this is where it gets really fun. Oh god. Um, they're the worst in the NBA. Woo! Any idea what their net rating is for third quarters over uh, the last 10 games?
3: It's where I mean the Nuggets and Cavaliers games certainly uh exaggerates it, but I'll probably say like 20.
4: Uh they are being outscored by 27.5 oh points. My Lord. <laughs> For 100 possessions in the third quarter over the last 10 games. So, honestly, impressive. It is. They're five and five in that time, which is, and they're five... you know, maybe we should be we should be talking this team up, being yeah. like, oh, they're, they're not even playing single quarter. They're a just a couple of quarter. back
3: quarters away from being 38 or whatever. Did
4: they? Would they be better off just not sending players out for the third quarter, coming back out for the fourth? Based on those numbers, it kind of seems like that is what they're doing. The...
3: Yeah, the buzzer sounds at the end of the second quarter, like, where's everybody going? Let's keep playing. Let's go. No no rest for the wicked, right?
4: Yeah, I, I honestly, I don't <laughs> have a solution to this, and I think everyone knows it already, but I just thought, I took a look, and I was like, everyone knows this is bad, but just how bad? I don't know if that's clear. Um, that is a simple, like, focus and motivation thing, though. It's like, if you're... Showing up and being competitive again the fourth and you're actually winning first and second quarters pretty well. If that's what you're doing in the third, like that's a that's a mental issue.
1: Yeah.
4: Got to rectify that. Again, if they rectify that, then you're... The whole conversation changes because we could probably overlook some other things because as we've seen in the past, it's like the books have, in the last few years, they've always had some sort of problem like some sort of issue. They've never been the perfect team, it feels like. And yet we'd find ourselves being like, they're so good though, what they're good at, that it actually doesn't matter. Like if they do that well, they'll just beat anyone. Like that was the story, the regular season successes, and that was even the story in the postseason last year. It's like, if they can lock in on these certain elements where they really have complete control, no one's going to be able to do too much about it. All right, Jordan, let's, Let's talk players. Um, Not like not in a deep sense. Like we're not going to talk Dante Divincenzo again. You'll be relieved to hear. On Thursday, we have the All Star reserves being announced. Giannis has again been named as an All Star starter. His sixth All Star appearance. Are you expecting for him to have any company in the All Star game? in Cleveland this year yes I am going to go out on a limb then and say you're expecting Drew Holiday to get his you'd second all star appearance <laughs> you'd be correct why do you think Drew's going to actually get the nod
1: um I think they're one I think he's let's let's go to the
4: numbers <laughs> Um what numbers one,
3: you want. Th- Let's see. Let's just
4: let's. I've I've got the numbers. I've got lots of numbers. My screen is just filled with numbers.
3: Are you are you Ben Affleck in the account right
4: now? I would love that. That's where you go as opposed to like Rain Man or like nope. the Zach Alfianakis Hangover thing. <laughs> but sure, if if that's what you like. So what what Drew numbers are you looking for?
1: Um,
3: I mean, just let's. What is he averaging right now?
4: Let's do it. He's averaging 17.8 points per game, um, to go along with 6.6 rebounds, four points, sorry, 6.6 assists, 4.7 rebounds, 1.5 steals per game. His shooting splits are 49.3 for the field, 38.1 from deep, 75.5 from the free throw line. Um, is there are you requesting any advanced numbers here? Is this you want to? Do you want to round out the case?
3: Let's do advance. Let's do it.
4: Okay, well, uh, he has uh, a net rating of 8.6. So the books of Drew Holiday on the floor. That's opponents by 8.6 points per 100 possessions, which, excluding uh, Javon Delorier, which I think we should do for this exercise, um, <laughs> is the third best mark on the books behind George Hill and Wesley Matches. Um, 57.5 half. True shooting percentage, very solid, very kind of steady and reliable. And a high usage, but still settling in at third on the team. 23.5 is his usage rate. Um, Chris is at 25.9. He's at 34.7, which I think is an interesting stat to stop the numbers on because he's kind of still, he's in a third star role but he is undoubtedly performing as the second star of the season
1: yeah and obviously some of that was elevated without Giannis without Chris Um, I don't know Like, if you look at his numbers last year there's some aspects
3: to it where you'd say oh he was maybe having a better season last year but I just think there's he's he, the way he's just been playing lately and, I mean, all season, obviously, he just, he plays at his own pace. There's just nothing that, like, I could describe it other than he just plays, like, Drew Holiday, which is his name, and that's who he <laughs> is. and um, just went full purred happily for everybody. Um, but, like, I just, I, there's just something about it where I'm just, like, What he does is so, it's not, I don't think it's like incredibly unique in the history of the NBA or even maybe um, some players that are playing now, like in this era, but he is just very as defined of a player. And I do think year two of beat him walk, year two of playing alongside Giannis,
1: Chris playing under Bud, playing the system. He just feels a lot more comfortable and just kind of, you know,
3: he just reads the game so well and knows when to pick his spots in terms of when to score, when to kind of attack inside. I mean, his I could go on and on and just how good he is. <laughs> um, but I just, I do think, if we're going to talk narrative, I do think winning championship certainly the olympics play a factor where he comes in and you know really kind of not bandage that team together but like certainly put everything together in a way that like they can avoid you know the worst case scenario happening um i just think he's having this kind of glow up that you know it's finally It's not about oh, he's so underrated, he's so underappreciated, all that stuff. It's like, no, he's rightly getting his flowers and you know, an all-star appearance there, an all defensive nod here and there. Like, you know, I mean, like, I I think this is, you know, his late career has just blossomed into a way of just because he's played with the Bucs, he's won a title, all that stuff. I think that's all going to play into him getting an all-star nod.
4: Yeah, I think he's probably got the bit of added momentum with coaches, and just I, I think there's also a sense of oh, he's got one All Star, and that was so long ago, and it's yeah. it's the version of him that isn't the player that anyone will remember. Was, he like he was in Philly, um, it and was, it's it
3: was a weird Philly year too. It was that it was, eight
4: seed Philly team with Elton Brand. No,
3: it was the, it? they missed the playoffs that year.
4: Oh, so it's the year after that, the year before that. Um, Doug Collins was their coach he was Um, the narrative just does seem right and even with the the boost of the championship and I mean what everyone saw him do defensively in the playoffs and then he goes and uh, we've probably even forgotten something now but just in terms of his reputation like was great at the Olympics like was a guy who obviously arrived last minute. And I don't know to what extent he was in Pop's plans to begin with. And then within the first game, like they found themselves having to go to him because he's one of the few guys who was defending, (laughs) who was basically able to score in pretty significant kind of supporting role uh, capacity And I think all of that has just kind of somewhat rewritten the idea people have of Drew Holiday, where he is now like, this is true of the other book, I guess, who could be even somewhat in this conversation where it's like, people just talk about him being overrated for so long Then you're like, okay, well, is he? But I I do think Drew Holiday's resume is certainly not reflective of what people have thought of him throughout his career. So kind of like a you know it's time Oscar I, I do think there will be some some good feeling and I, I think he's just a player that we've heard it from other players like we've heard Kevin Durant talk yep. about it and that obviously extends to coaches and assistant coaches too and a lot of like a lot of head coaches give their assistant coaches this ballot to fill out too and there's a lot of respect for what he does how he goes about his business that yeah i i would say it's it's a very good chance i i don't know if i'm quite as confident as you just in part because of like where the books are at uh i i think that's that's tricky and i, I do think I there's also there's probably a level of bulls recognition that's going to kick in in the reserves
1: i mean who else i mean i i know uh it got lost in the Andrew
3: Wiggins All-Star starter conversation, but positional position still rings true in this case. Like there, there was a two backcourt and three frontcourt, or, or is, am I mixing that up?
4: Yeah, uh, that's a good question.
3: That was at least for the starters. So
4: yeah, so you've got eight reserves, but I, is it four and four? Like I don't, I don't know what way they. I don't actually know if they divide in those. that way,
1: but like, so you think? Levine, um, is Jimmy Butler a guard? Probably not, he's more of a forward. Um,
4: but see, that, that conversation, how people decide to come down on that, is gonna define and decide whether there is a spot for Drew or not as people work down their ballot. Yeah,
3: who else, like LaMelo like, Ball,
4: honestly. Trey Young being a starter does not help this because. Like, with the Hawks being as bad as they are, I, I think that's a really... It's a really tough one. I don't know if he... If he didn't make the starting team, as good as he is individually and a lot of stuff he did, I don't know if he makes it. For some coaches. I mean, it, it's it's really hard to predict this, but uh, I do think that then... The winning point guards are not being rewarded in the starting lineup. There's
3: just also not a lot to- of... All-star worthy point guards. It's true, in the East more so, because like you run down the standings. Well, I, okay. I,
4: I think Darius Garland as a guard is yes. going to be, yeah, for he, sure in the mix too. And absolutely, like if he gets in, that, which he probably deserves to. Though, is Drew going to get in?
3: Other than that, like Kyle Lowry's not going to get it. Zach Levine's not a point guard, but he'll be in the guard He's gonna. Most, he'll be
4: an all-star. He'll be an all-star.
3: Brooklyn can't point out anybody because. You know, they're who they thought was going to be their point guard is playing at their games.
4: Do you don't think Harden's um, going to be an All Star? I forgot that
3: he's actually not.
4: I think see, this is what I'm saying. I don't. I, I think it gets pretty tough pretty quickly, and maybe Drew. Like if it comes down to Drew and Darius Garland, I don't think that's fair on Garland, but Drew might get the nod for being this guy won a championship. This one a guy won a gold medal. He takes on like the toughest defensive assignments. You know, he might get that kind of boost, um, but uh, it very quickly is going to get tight for for spaces there.
1: Yeah, yeah. You're I, the point that you're making with the young, kind of. It that throws a. It throws a little bit of a wrench. It does. Yeah, I I don't know. I still I th- I still think it tilts.
4: I was actually I was surprised by how like how much conviction you had in the yes when I asked you if they were gonna have another all star. I just I cannot and, I don't
3: know I not understand if they got if they didn't have another all star.
4: Well, we've we've seen that in very good years before, like Chris, the years when Chris should have got it and he didn't. Um, no, I I guess the extension it, of this. Got <laughs> is he gonna get it this year? That
3: no, I don't think so.
4: Chris's numbers are surprising when you look at them because it does not feel like he is just under 20 points per game, Um, but he is. And his shooting percentages are fine to good. And he's in a kind of a range, a pretty heady range when it comes to a guy who can get over five rebounds and five assists. Again, he's someone with a lot of kind of respect, again, around coaches. And he also, you know, the things we talked about Drew, Chris was also not a central part, but he was on that Olympic team. He won a gold medal. Um, He made key shots as the Bucs won a championship. Like, I I would have no hesitation in saying this should be Drew if the Bucs are going to get a second All-Star. But that's also applying logic to All-Star selections that doesn't necessarily always apply.
3: Yeah, I mean, I have always viewed the reserves votes or the coaching, the coaches that vote for
4: the reserves. There's actually just one other thing I should add here. Kevin Durant is not going to be playing in this game. No. So there's actually nine spots open in the Eastern Conference.
3: And James Harden might just... uh, I'm not saying that his hand injury is fake, but it's like, oh, okay. All this stuff is coming out. Like, yeah, I mean, whatever. Um, what are you saying? Everything's, everything's going great in Brooklyn. So
4: it's not like, reporting? I don't know. <laughs> you tell not know. Oh, don't Someone know. It is reporting. Okay, Jordan Tresky reports.
3: Uh, I have a
4: James Harden's <laughs> James Harden's hand injury is fake. You heard it here first.
3: Please <laughs> well, with the fake hand. Uh, <laughs> um <laughs> no. Uh what was my point? Oh no, I've always viewed coaches voting for the reserves as like the security blanket. Previously. Yeah, they're, they're oh. kind
4: of like the actual all-stars, usually, but it's not yeah.
3: Sanity prevailed in some cases.
4: Yeah, it's not it's not Oh, they don't always get it right. I mean, they didn't give Zaza his oh his gosh. one when he didn't make the fan vote. Should
3: have made it that year with the Mavericks, he was I was just about to swear. I was going to say he's incredible.
4: Is that who the books need? You know, uh, swing a deal with the the Warriors, literally with the Warriors front office for a for a backup big. I was gonna... I will, will keep going to. I All right, not quite as um as close on the horizon, but. Uh, to wrap up, and obviously we saw Jokic in the past week, uh, this is shaping up to be the closest MVP race, the most open MVP race I can remember in quite some time. Um, Maybe it's not as close in the terms of like some of the Yanis, like the Yanis Harden one that we went through. What year was that? 2018-19. Uh,
3: yeah, I
4: was going to say three years ago. Now. Um. Maybe it's not as close in terms of two players. Like, that was not a whole lot between those two, but they were so separated from the field. I think the thing interesting this year is there's no separation in the field. And even if you look at current odds, it's really a toss-up, and anyone can come and kind of grab this over the final few months of the season. Giannis is right in the middle of that pack, I would say, a pack that also includes... Joel Embiid, Nikola Jokic, Steph Curry, John Morant is, is I was closing.
3: Odds-wise,
4: he's just behind that, but that gap is closing, and then you could have something that is kind of like a five-man toss-up for who's going to get it. What are your feelings on the MVP race and on Giannis' place in it? I ask this as someone who does have a vested interest, because I did place a preseason bet That's on Giannis right. to be MVP. And you know That's it's been right. looking pretty good as other people, you know, as Kevin Durant, his odds were very short, and all of a sudden injury comes along and he's out of there, and it's like even Steph Curry, it looked really strong for Steph at one point. That's eased off a little bit, and other people have come to the fore. But I don't know. It seemed, to me I would right now I would say Joel Embiid is oh absolutely surging, and he has a distinct advantage over. Yanis and Steph and Jokic because he has not won it before, and they love a narrative to give it to someone who has not won it before.
1: Yeah, if they, I mean, if they finish the
3: first seed of the East, Sixers, I should clarify it's hard not to give it to Embiid. Um, meanwhile, we're not even talking about the best team statistically record wise, Suns. Are the best team the fact that they have Devin Booker and Chris Ball? This you know, all star backcourt, um, kind of oh, in a weird way. They actually have
4: zero all stars as we speak, right? But just making the point, as as we speak, they are not all stars, they will be, I'm sure, on Thursday. But
3: I don't
4: know, the Sun's on, definitely his
3: way in there and be like, I'm a Western all star now.
4: Imagine if the Suns were like the Heat imagine like the noise they'd be making about all of this like if they just if they carry themselves like that i I respect the songs I like that they're not like that uh but just imagine if I mean, the heater probably there's probably a whole lot of that with the heat being the second seed as see is so oh yeah
3: Tyler hero most improved player um <laughs> uh well oh yeah weirdly enough. Booker and Paul kind of cancel each other out because Mm -hmm. you're gonna be hard. It's hard to discern.
4: (laughs) You've got a one A and a one B.
1: Yeah. Where Giannis is in this, I mean, it's all gonna be dictated by are the good the Bucks can be
3: good. Are they gonna be, you know, are they gonna turn it on and kind of for lack of a better phrase, flip the switch, switch. that could boost Giannis's MVP case. We'll see. Um, I mean, he has been just flat out incredible as he usually is, but even it feels even more so um, lately.
4: I, I One thing I will say here, because I've made this prediction as a bold prediction on a, a preseason crossover pod we did and I got very strange looks. I said, I think Giannis could win the scoring title this year. And he's not far off. He's 0.5 points per game off Kevin Durant right now. I don't know actually what the game's played requirement is for that. Um, and obviously we don't know exactly how long Durant will be out for and how all that plays out. But there's only point 0.3 separating him and LeBron and Embiid. He's currently 4th. And I think that is also something to note, just if the closer mm. Giannis gets to that, the more he's going to factor into the very kind of top end of MVP. And he's okay. scoring easier than he's ever scored.
3: Yes. Very much so. Um, And, yeah. Uh. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I beat his Phillies Been one of the best teams since the new year, probably even dating back to before that too. Um, The Grizzlies, as we talked about maybe a couple of weeks ago at this point now, had been really good. of Morantz, I don't think he has the top-end numbers that could kind of rival Embiid, Jokic, Giannis, even Steph, if if the Warriors kind of figure it out again. Um, But that's certainly in the next, like, it is a
4: very interesting MVP race. Didn't Russell Westbrook win it when the Thunder were, like, a fifth seed?
3: Yeah, they forty six 46-36.
4: Like, the Grizzlies right now are 35-18. and (laughs) And he is driving them. And they're ahead of schedule because of him, not purely because of him, they've got other good young players who are certainly doing their share of it too, but he he probably should be much closer to the front of this race than he is. I find it a little bit weird. Um, I guess this is what happens when you're in Memphis, much the same as it probably took Giannis a year, two years beyond where he really should have started to be in the conversation for this award, if not win it, before that happened. And it, it felt like the first year where he was really in the conversation that he won it because it was already like, the league was playing catch up on just recognizing just how great he'd become. Yeah. And it, it feels like with Jamarant, we're, we're heading towards something like that, where like, it may not be this year. You may not get as close as you should this year, but next year, the year after that, he could be like a runaway winner on it, And everyone's just going to be like, yeah, well, why isn't this guy woman before? Yeah. I, I, uh, I quite like Giannis's chances. I, I, I do wonder what the books do and uh, like how Brooke all of that pans out, like what impact that will have for better or worse. Um, But I do think if they could just find some sort of, it's not even an extra gear, but if they could just be a little bit more into it, I think his numbers night to night will be better. And I think the book's record could like uptick really dramatically and in a hurry. Like they're they're not far away right now every time I watch them I'm like this team isn't very good but you can see they're a good team if that makes any sense like yeah. I, I, I don't think it would take much for them in terms of their approach or in terms of personnel to all of a sudden be like oh look it's the Bucks it's the, it's the defending champions and they're best positioned to go and put up a really strong defense this again and if anything like that happens I think he's in with a great chance. And there's also, there will be a thing later in the season. He's actually going to benefit from something that like he almost got punished for when he won back to back, which is he didn't win the last year and he was great last year and they won the championship. So there's going to be no stigma. There's going to be nothing outside of regular season narrative wise. I mean, you can hold against him. And I think there will be a moment where it's like, look at these numbers, look at these highlights. Are we, not recognizing how good Yanis has been this year, and that could also it could play to his advantage. We'll see. I am, I'm curious to see how it plays out, but I I do think he's in a very very good position. But it's it's one of those things where MVP by the end of the season it can usually be quite dull and tedious. Where I actually think with multiple players having a chance, and with the way even the standings are set up it could be an interesting uh, conversation in the months ahead.
1: Yep. All right, Jordan. Jordan.
4: Got anything else? Any final thoughts you've got? I mean, one thing we didn't mention here, Bucks play the Wizards uh, tonight, I think, as we record this. And then they've got a four-game trip out west. Uh, Formerly a trip that used to kill the Bucks, you know, Um, trips to... uh, Alcatraz and other places we'll just put it as didn't necessarily always serve that was the name yeah Um, google it if you want be careful (laughs) where and when but that's if you don't get the reference you can google it this trip hasn't always been kind to the books but in spite of them not playing all that well it's not striking complete and utter terror it's my heart looking at it I mean it will be very interesting See how they go against the Suns when they get there. It'd be nice to see them start to play a little bit better. Before the trade
3: deadline, does any reinforcements join the Bucks out in Phoenix?
4: They could be without like five guys. You know, they could be they could be down bare bare bones because of the blockbuster trades that have been pulled off. Yeah,
3: Devin Booker goes to the paint. Holiday rips it away. Giannis is streaking down the court. You're speaking
4: everyone's language now.
3: Wait,
1: what? What?
4: (laughs) We've got that to look forward to. Um, We'll be back to you all very soon. You may, I know you don't hear from us twice in a week very often, but you may hear from us again later this week. So make sure you subscribe to the Eurostat Podcast Network feed, wherever you get your podcast, or gspn.substack.com. Keep your eyes peeled, and that way you you will get some. uh, some more GSPN content for sure as the week rolls on. Until then, thanks again to all of you for listening. Thank you, Jordan. Thank you.
2: It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust.